Welcome to another edition of the NCBI podcast. I'm June Tinsley, Head of Communications and Advocacy with NCBI. And today my guest is Patter Golden, who is Country Manager with TIER. Um, and our chat will really focus on uh, the use of e-scooters um, and their safe usage and the legislation that will flow from it. TIER um, operates a number of shared schemes in different countries. So um, Patter will be able to tell us all about that. Thanks very much, Patter, for having a chat with me today. Uh, thank you, June, for having me. Great, great, great. Um, I suppose for the, the benefit of our listeners, if you could just tell us a little bit about TIER and what the um, the company is all about and where your current shared schemes are in use. Yeah, sure. So TIER Mobility is now a global leader in, in micromobility. We operate across 580 cities and 33 countries, and we offer e-scooter, pedal bikes, e-bike and e-moped schemes. Um, and very much we're trying to support cities, councils with both their active travel and sustainability goals. Um, from an Irish perspective, we, we launched Tears Business in Ireland about two years ago, and, and it commenced with a, uh, a scheme on DCU, so Dublin City University, um, where we had a number of e-scooters that were available both to the public and students. And I've got to say we've had over 4,000 trips now there without incident. Um, and then in the last sort of eight months, we launched um, an e-bike scheme, an e-bike scheme in Fingal County Council. Um, and here, this is where the public have access to electric bikes uh, right across Fingal Council. They can download the Tier app, uh, and then it's just a pay-as-you-go service. Yeah, I, I've seen them around the uh, Fingal area myself, um, and they're nice, bright green um, colours, so people can easily see them. And they obviously have designated parking. Um, bays as well for ease of parking. Um, I suppose in relation to the e-scooters, the e just for people's benefit, um, the legislation has been crawling through the Oireachtas for the last number of years. Um, it all falls under the um, road bill of 1961 that they're trying to modernise. Um, and NCBI has been collaborating with many other agencies, um, including Irish Wheelchair Association and the Irish Guide Dogs, to kind of ensure that there's minimum safety standards included in the regulations, particularly to ensure that um, pedestrians are, are protected on our footpaths. Um, and I suppose at the present stage, the legislation is really at its final hurdle um, and it's hoped to pass into law very, very quickly. And subsequently, regulations will flow from that, which will be applicable to um, all local authorities and um, um, police and anybody who's going to be enforcing the rules that are enshrined in the legislation. Um, as it presently stands, there's many, many private usage, um, private owners rather, of e-scooters um, across, right across the country, but the legislation around it is non-existent. So I suppose that's why we kind of want to put in minimum safety standards. There's now no present shared schemes in use in Ireland, but TIER and, and other companies We'll be putting in pitches to try and um, roll out such shared schemes across cities when the legislation and regulations are in place. So in terms of context, that really explains where, where we're at with e-scooter usage. And I suppose from NTBI's perspective, some of the minimum standards that we want to see include things like the banning of e-scooters on footpaths. Uh, disappointingly, it's not in the legislation in its present form, um, and we hope it will be in the regulations. But I suppose, what's TIER's position in relation to this um, request to ban it, their usage on footpaths, really to protect people who are blind or vision impaired, other um, vulnerable pedestrians, uh, even 
parents out with buggies and small children and all that kind of stuff. What's Tyr's position on that? Yeah, June, we're aligned, I suppose, with NCBI here, and that e-scooters are meant are not meant to be ridden on pavements, you know. Um, and I suppose if you if you look at the reason on why e-scooters go on the path, it's very much driven that the infrastructure isn't in place and people don't feel safe, you know, on the sort of cycle lanes or light mobility lanes that are in place. So we very much see, you know, across Europe where there's a strong infrastructure in place and that that actually reduces the amount of individuals that would mount a pavement. So we're fully aligned that we would like to see that banned. I think the advantages with a, a public shared scheme is that there's technologies, I suppose, that can be implemented to, uh, I suppose, limit that behavior. So, for instance, we can define certain zones within the app, uh, which would prevent, say, a scooter going in or operating in those given areas. We can identify, you know, areas that we deem need to be go slow zones. And so we can reduce the speed of an e-scooter. Um, and also, you know, in terms of actioning um, a given incident, all our vehicles have um, are geotagged. So we know exactly where they are at any given point in time. So if an individual or a pedestrian or someone from the public does report an incident of that uh, of such behavior, well, actually, we can identify the individuals involved. We can provide educational material, warnings, and, in, and actually, you know, if no behavior does change, we can remove them from the service. And I suppose, thank you for, for highlighting that whole issue around um, nearly accountability, because certainly it's cropped up time and time again from the um, service users that we've engaged with on, on this topic. 77% of them have reported a, an incident or a near miss collision with an e-scooter on a footpath. And I suppose that the question posed then is when incidents do occur, because there's no insurance, there's no identification and no potential registration in it's where we're presently at in terms of regula regulations um who who has to foot the bill if somebody gets injured um as a result of a, an e-scooter certainly we know from the um evidence in james's hospital the likelihood of head injuries are, is quite high amongst riders who um have experienced an accident um but i'm just curious from a pedestrian's perspective if there is a collision, what is TIR's response in relation to remedying that situation as much as they can, admittedly? Yeah, so I suppose I can't really speak from a, a, a privately owned scooter perspective and, and, and the legislation and regulation is going to come through there. But from a public perspective or a public shared scheme perspective, you know, uh, TIR would have insurances in place, be it from an employer and from a, a rider perspective um, to address any instances that may may occur. And what will be the um, minimum age requirement that you will be imposing on individuals who would use your shared schemes? So I believe the legislation or regulation will come through uh, requesting minimum age of, of 16. And then there'll be verification checks done as part of the onboarding process to ensure that that is in place. And in terms of your experience internationally, is 16 the usual age of the shared schemes that apply uh, that to your run? Correct. So uh, across, I suppose, Europe, actually globally, 16 is the minimum age. Um, and that's what we currently, that's the current age verification requirements um, in Ireland for the e-bike schemes that are live. And I suppose for uh, 16 was certainly the, the age that we were requesting um, when we were seeking to impose these minimum standards. 
because of the rationale, as you said, it's a common age internationally, but also it kind of demonstrates an understanding of the rules of the road um, and a bit of kind of it's going to have more maturity. A 16 year old will have more maturity than a, a 10 year old on a, an e-scooter. Um, and, and I suppose it, it is something that we believe should be enshrined in the in the regulations if it's not in the in the legislation itself. Yeah. And, you know, what I also think is really important to stress here, you know, the onus also has to be on the individuals using this mode of transport, you know, and um, like once they get familiar with, say, the e-scooter and there's a number of uh, ongoing works in terms of supporting with the education of the new vehicle mode, it's the same rules of the road will apply as if you were riding a bike or driving a car. I think like that's not going to be subject to change. And in terms of your, your shared schemes, do you offer helmets, for example, for riders or are riders expected to bring their own helmets or how does that work from a practical perspective? Yeah, um, so that won't be embedded into the, the legislation. However, uh, like in the Dublin City University scheme, all our scooters have a, a helmet box on them. So the, the user has the option to actually utilise a foldable helmet that is with the vehicle. Okay. I mean, for, for the rider's own safety, <laughs> it is important, we believe, to have a helmet because if the legislation um, remains unchanged, the speed could go up to 25 kilometres an hour, which, as we know, is is very fast. Um, I suppose NSBI's perspective would be that the uh, speed limit be lower than that. Um, and you mentioned earlier a couple of um, go-slow areas would also be included to facilitate a, a lower speed limit, again, even potentially down to, to six kilometres an hour. How does TIR utilise those go-slow areas in other cities? Yes, yeah, so what uh, we've experienced in other cities is you can identify potential uh, high-risk areas, you know, so it could be where you see a certain speed of a given scooter at a junction, um, and in turn, that's where you might identify that actually this should be identified as a go slow area um, to reduce the potential of, of a, an accident. Um, so in that regard, it's working with, I think, the councils, local bodies um, to understand, you know, where what is needed in given areas. And then what you do is you develop the scheme for a given area. So that's why it's so important to have that engagement locally to really ensure that you have the, most, the safest and most inclusive scheme for that given area. Yeah, and I, I suppose that, that's probably one of the reasons why it's um, not necessarily outlined in legislation, but there's scope to do that in regulations because it can be applied at a more local level. I suppose the other issue that NCBI was a strong champion on is the insertion of a universal sound. Um, into the e-scooter design because, again, for individuals who are blind or vision impaired, they will not be able to see the silent vehicles come. Um, and it certainly, from our experience, has startled many individuals um, as they uh, approach. And um, as I said, in some cases, it has led to collisions. The, the use of e-scooters we're hearing on footpaths is leading to individuals um, it's, it's compromising their confidence and their independence to get about safely because they, they can't see these e-scooters approach. So to insert a universal sound that's fully robust, robustly tested is something that we would be a strong advocate of. And I'm just curious to see what Tira's position is in relation to that. Yeah, and I, I think you've somewhat hit the nail on the head there in the sense that, you know, it has to be a universal sound and has to be robust. So 
we're currently working uh, with the University College of London and um, for the last year actually to create that universal sound. So that's that's currently going through testing at the minute uh, with a number of different uh, bodies being brought in uh, to facilitate that testing and, and, and validate it. So such as the, the National Sight Loss Council, the uh, Thomas Pollock and, um, Trust. And here, what we're trying to do is work on creating a sound, you know, that enables a pedestrian to not only understand that a vehicle's approaching, but also, you know, the speed it's approaching and the location it's coming from. So with that development, um, hopefully as it progresses, then that is something that can be scaled. And once uh, it is in a position to be tested in the field, we would hope to roll that out in Ireland also to understand its impact in, in different environments. And I suppose um, this would be just a, a request that the testing phase would also include, <clears throat> excuse me, would also include the opportunity to be tested in Ireland um, because not every roadscape is going to be similar to uh, the London testing ground, for example. So just for um, diversity to ensure it's robustly tested, um, I would request that the it would be um, tested in, in Ireland too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're fortunate in the sense that we do have a scheme up and running in, in Dublin City University. So that should enable um, the, the testing to be held within Ireland uh, imminently. And in terms of the designated parking bays, certainly this again was a, um, an, an issue that we would have liked to see included in the legislation um, because the absence of designated parking bays means that e-scooters can and are um, propped up against poles or trees uh, and can pose trip hazards uh, for individuals. So I suppose we were um, adamant that there would be designated parking bays with shared schemes. Those parking bays come as standard, I'm sure. Um, and I suppose it's just to flag that um, I, I hope it is in the, the plan uh, for Tier to have a bank of designated parking bays that are clearly marked separate to the footpath or the road area so that um, individuals who are blind or vision impaired can decipher where a parking bay starts and, and ends and that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, with regards to, I suppose, the Fingal uh, e-bike scheme, we are implementing mandatory parking zones, which are working well. I suppose the, the main issue we have here is that a lot of the public infrastructure in terms of bike parking or be it uh, scooter parking against Sheffield stands is that that infrastructure is on main streets. You know, it's not spread into, say, residential housing. So it's very much limiting the use case for the given vehicles. So if you really want to, you know, make that transition from uh, away from the private car, you need to ensure that the, the parking infrastructure is there. And what I'm currently doing is working with the, the tier safety board. And that includes obviously NCBI and a number of other bodies across Ireland to understand, well, what are the requirements for a parking area? Like, what do we want to see? And we've commenced this trial in, in Blanchardstown specifically, where we've identified, you know, areas that we call of, I'm going to call it dead space. And how could that be utilized for the parking of the vehicles? And we're building now up the requirements for these given parking locations that could then be utilized going forward um, to define where vehicles could be and should be parked. And I suppose that, that won't be ruled out overnight. Um, and I suppose it's just a question of um, sequencing the timing of these kind of things so that if shared schemes become operational, designated parking bays become widespreadly available. Um, and I, I think it's also important to flag that shared schemes 
in and of themselves are really valuable. Um, but these kind of um, use of designated parking bays will not apply to private owners. So it, there's a whole piece there, we believe, around education of riders to make sure that the, where they park their e-scooters is considered um, so that no obstacles are, are presented. Correct. And I think just going back from a pub, from a public shared scheme perspective, you know, I appreciate that um, it may take time to implement the required infrastructure, but there's also alternative means, you know, on how we could define these mandatory parking areas like across Europe. And, and something we're looking at with another scheme that's about to launch in Ireland is almost virtual parking zones. So this is where you define the space in the given app and that's where the vehicle can be left. There can be an identifier on the ground in terms of this is that mandatory parking zone where a vehicle can be left. But what we're trying to do is, you know, work with the bodies to understand what are the requirements that are needed to define this given zone. And in turn, does that actually mean that a physical infrastructure is required for that parking bay? So, so that's the current area of focus. Um, and I suppose just to, um, in, in terms of the individuals who will be availing of your scheme, will there be an expectation that they will have to undergo some kind of training with yourselves in order to become a member? Um, and I suppose what we're flagging here is the importance to riders of the um, increasing their own awareness around vulnerable pedestrians and being alert to um, other road users and, and, and pedestrians. Yeah, no. So look, through the onboarding process, um, there is an educational flow in terms of this new mode of transport for an individual. So there will be that flow and we constantly have a feed of um, a news feed providing information, be it giving updates in terms of uh, how vehicles should be ridden, what's the latest technology available. Um, and there'll also be FAQ sections that people can go to. Whenever we like launch a new scheme, a new city, you know, we very much hold local community uh, events where we'll enable uh, the public to to trial um, the the scooters or an e-bike um, with experts on hand to give that training. So we like to work closely, be it with community bodies, with um, with councils to provide that educational material um, to, to the community. Because I, I do feel that's in a very important piece of the jigsaw is rider education um, and with upskilling riders then hopefully in the into the long term accidents can be prevented um so i hope that that's a, an important thing to to flag um the other thing i just would like to highlight is in terms of the um the technology you mentioned earlier about uh, activating scooters to go slow in the go slow areas and, and things like that um how accurate are those i suppose it, again what we've heard is individuals kind of flagging with us that um some e-scooters when they when they approach a zone that will uh, essentially um, prevent them from going at a certain speed the, the braking system is very very sharp um, and as a result the rider wobbles and potentially falls off so I suppose my question really is has, have those kind of things been considered so that there's a, a gradual reduction of speed um, and that there's a greater awareness of of those issues around the technology in use. Yeah, absolutely. And I think look, the technology is continuing um, to advance daily, you know, and what, what you have with be it the go slow zones or the no go zones is it's not a sudden stop. 
you know, there is that that slow ramp down. Um, so that I suppose instances that you just referred to don't actually occur. So they are definitely being considered and constantly being updated to ensure, I suppose, the safest, uh, be it software and technology, is being implemented uh, when implementing such zones. And I suppose the riders will be upskilled in their awareness and knowledge of that technology when they become active members with the tier shared scheme. Correct. And within the app itself as well, these areas are clearly identified um, on the map. So you'll see them identified in sort of red red, um, shaded out areas. Okay. Okay. And I suppose lastly, just in terms of um, the the work tier is doing, uh, you mentioned earlier the the safety committee. Um, If you could just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've created, I suppose, the first safety board in Ireland with a number of bodies such as NCBI, Walk 21, Inclusion Ireland, and the Irish Wheelchair Association. And what we're trying to do is we get together quarterly uh, where TIR will provide an update in terms of um, the work TIR is doing, be it locally, but also globally. Uh, We'll share our latest learnings. And then here, it's also the opportunity really to get engagement from those bodies to understand their needs and requirements so that, you know, that when we're speaking, be it with councils, with governments and defining our own strategies, that we're taking on board, you know, their requirements, their needs. And this is the only way it works for me is that, you know, we have to understand what is the local aspect to make a scheme successful. And if we embed those local needs and requirements from from the get go, then we're going to create that, you know, successful scheme that is inclusive and that is safe. And it, uh, obviously, as you said, NCBI is part of that um, safety board. And um, the other piece of work that NCBI is doing in this space is the micro mobility module. Um, and uh, do you want to explain a little bit more about Tears involvement in that? Absolutely. So I think it's been a great initiative that NCBI have taken on to provide that education material, be it to the the community for both private scooters and and a public shared scheme. So this education material will give an overview in terms of, you know, the difference between both and what to consider, be it from a rider's perspective and a pedestrian's perspective. Um, and hopefully that will support in giving that awareness of the, the new mode of transport for when it does come through uh, legislation and then onto the roads in the coming uh, months. Yeah, I, and I think that's, the, the reality is that e-scooters are, are just become so popular so quickly. Um, that we're nearly trying to catch up in that regard to make sure that riders are appropriately educated and informed. Um, and likewise, that the legislation needs to catch up too. Um, and I, I hope that the legislation does get through uh, quickly enough um, and subsequently that the minimum standards that we wanted in the legislation are now going to be enshrined in the in the regulations. Uh, and I think the other side of the coin is around enforcement. Um, because there will be a responsibility on local authorities, on the police, to ensure the enforcement with the, with the legislation. And tell me, how are, are TIR going to work with uh, on the enforcement side? Yeah, so uh, we currently have safety officers that will be a point of contact for police. Um, so if there is any instances that do occur, the police have a direct line to contact us uh, where information can be provided. Um, we'll also review you know, um, all inbounds that are received within 24 hours. And that's where then the team 
will take action given or depending on the situation that did occur. So, so like I highlighted as was earlier, you know, every single vehicle is geotagged, so we know its position at any given point in time. And from any reports that come in, we can review a given trip, identify what did occur, and then take the appropriate action. And I suppose, as I said, enforcement is, is something that we will be we will be monitoring because we want to make sure that individuals who are blind or vision impaired do continuously feel safe out and about um, and have the confidence to get about safely. Um, <clears throat> thanks very much, Patter, for outlining everything that TIR is doing in this space. Um, happy that NCBI is, is collaborating with you um, and that there's many overlaps with uh, some of the issues we've raised here this morning. Um, and we wait and see what happens now with the next stage of the legislation and the rollout of, of shared schemes. But for now, thank you very much, Patter. Um, if anybody's interested in learning more about TIER, what's the best website that you can direct people to? Yeah, absolutely. They can just download the app, tier.app. Tier.app. Thank you very much. Um, for our listeners, if anybody is interested in learning more about NCBI's position around e-scooters, jump onto our website, ncbi.ie. Um, our info line, as always, is accessible through 1-800-911-250. All previous editions of these podcasts are available on um, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube uh, and all pod podcasting platforms or alternatively jump onto our, our website. But for now, I'd just like to say huge thanks to uh, Patter and um, best of luck with everything. Thank you, June.